Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. This is Lori Handlers, and you are listening to another episode of Sex and Happiness, a show about your sex and your happiness. And uh, let me introduce to you again, or maybe for the first time, Brianna Kribayer, who is my colleague, my friend, has been and is often my apprentice, but is also my teacher. And so so she's going to interview me today. On uh, I might have a runny nose. We'll see. On sex and happiness over 60, some more parts about it and why it's such an important study and why I'm writing a book about it. And we're going to do a class about it called Sex and Happiness Over 60, which we're inviting people over 50 to come to. So it could be 50. You could be 49. But we'd like you to be 50 and come to the class about sex and happiness over 60. Mm, I love that, Lori. Let's talk a little bit about why having a separate class for sex and happiness over 60 feels important, even for people that are already thinking about, you know, moving from their 50s into their 60s. Why does it feel important just to have a class focused for older folks? Because I think this is an important conversation also for those of us mm, talking about people under 50 who are working with clients who are 50 plus. Why does it feel important? What is the difference or the yearning? Well, first of all, people go through a lot of changes when they're around 50. People into astrology will say it's your second Saturn return, whatever that means. Um, (laughs) I'm not a big astrology, cosmology person, as you know, but um, there is something to it. Uh, the body goes through tremendous hormonal changes for the most part when people reach around that age. Uh, the first, when a man comes to me and says, you know, I'm like, I'm losing my sex drive. I don't know what's going on with me. Normally I'll say you need a blood panel, find out where your testosterone is, find out where your vitamin D is, uh, find out where your DHEA is. Uh, for women, women, because women went through a menstrual cycle, uh, for most of their, uh, from puberty to uh, through adult life, women are more in touch with their cycles. Uh, to, so they know that their bodies are going through something. They know that their bodies are changing. They know they don't look the same. They know whatever. But <clears throat> culture has taught us to kind of stop. Like we should stop. We should give up. We should, we should be over sex. <laughs> Which is the fear, I think, of a lot of a lot of people who are in their 30s and 40s and starting to find themselves in this awakening. Okay, I'm actually going to bring Saturn return back into this because okay, go ahead. Approximately every 29.5 years, we have a Saturn return. So, if we're thinking about a lot of people are diving deep into their self development journeys somewhere between the ages of 25 and 35. Mm-hmm. We've grown up, we've moved out of the house. Um, we're no longer adhering to our parents' rules. We're recognizing how our parents have shaped us and our grandparents and culture. Like it's basically, we're looking at a time to grow up and a time to get real. 
we're getting real about life and who we are. And that happens right around that time. It often feels like a point of tension or like a crux, you know, something that we have to work through or a challenge that we have to overcome. And so a lot of people will track this right around their Saturn return. And then again, somewhere between 57 and 61, we're tracking that again. Okay. I, I guess I was like early at that. I, I did a lot of that stuff early, but um, yeah, I get it. I get what you're saying. And then, uh, so a lot of people think in the second time, in the second phase between 50 and 60, they're going to like dry up and, uh, and, and forget about sex altogether. When in fact, when women finish uh, menstruating, when they stop having their monthly periods, they actually can be more sexual. One, because they're not worried about childbirth. If we look way back to prehistory, more women died during childbirth than in any other time. Childbirth was a risky and devastating time on a woman's body when we didn't have modern medical facilities, et cetera. So if a woman lived past that and past the age of being able to be impregnated, like she could, her hormones could still be stimulated. Her peptides could still be stimulated. Oxytocin could still be produced. And this was a free time, like a free fall, like, yay, let's have some fun. Now, I don't know how they felt about it in prehistoric times. I don't know that anyone lived that long, but I will say with the advent of, you know, modern medicine, et cetera, and people understanding these things more scientifically, this is a perfect time to have great sex. Now, what happens as a woman ages and her hormones change, she gets more testosterone. That's why she, her sex drive increases. For men, as they reach this 50, 60, they get lower testosterone and they get they produce more estrogen in their bodies. So it's like it, like the oh, this funny kind of a role switch happens. Women are like, come on, I want to have sex. And men often are like, mm, I want to watch TV. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I think it could be very scary to be in your 30s, 40s, early 50s and thinking about this perceived point of devastation that we're going to go through. However, many people listening to this show, many people that have been working with you, and you are a huge proponent for being in the unknown, being in Latihan as much as possible in life. So when you're moving and living from that place, fewer things that feel scary right. are something that we move away from and more something that we move towards. Absolutely. I've like, you know, the expression face your, feel your fear and do it anyway. Mm -hmm. So I think that the more we face uh, the changes in our bodies, no matter what body we're in, how we're embodied, the more we face the changes going on in our bodies and the more we speak about it and the more we express, um, I find that the whole expression about it is sexy I find that the whole, now I have said, there's an, I don't know, in one of my presentations, I think the one I met at Radfest, where I talk about um, how sex is critical to, to grades, uh, to gracefully age. I talk about when a woman in particular, when a woman, I don't care if she's big bodied, 
got some wrinkles, has gray hair, like whatever it is that have been stigmatized, if she's sexually um, secure, if she knows her power, which comes from uh, like the root of our body, if she's powerful, when she walks into a room, all the eyes turn. Like, I don't care what, you know, she could have 50 extra pounds and people, you know, so afraid of being fat and whatever, but a woman walks in who knows her, her power and her prowess. And she walks in like people go like, wow, who's that? And I think that women are just coming into that, to that like power part of their life when they're finished uh, the menstrual cycle, when they're coming into menopause. So, so I like, that's a time to start living. Mm, mm, that's right, the time right, right. That's yeah. right. That's right. And so there's this interesting perspective of as we age that we're losing something because there's a shift, regardless of what your gender expression is. Um, bodies are changing. You mentioned the levels of testosterone increasing or decreasing and the power shifts in that way. So I hear you talking about the power that moves from um, in female bodies that really moves into this place of being more powerful in a lot of ways. And yeah. then I also feel the heart expansion that happens as testosterone is um, lower in a lot of men. Um, a lot of my clients are over 60 and a lot of them are coming to me because they no longer know how to interact with women their age. And I think some of that really is in that shift of power. There's so much more tenderness. They're crying at the births of their grandchildren. Um, they're maybe they're getting back out into dating after a separation. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that shift and change during that period of time, but that can really be seen as superpowers. And one thing that you and I have talked a lot about, but I think is important just to say is that I have a bit of experience with some of the changes in the body as I went through menopause very early. Um, so I'm not quite 40 and my body has, is already postmenopausal. No more cycle, going through hot flashes, experiencing um, all of the different shifts and changes, less elasticity in the skin. So there's a lot of things that actually shift here. Some of the youthful qualities, like um, living from a place of youthfulness becomes a choice. And you talk about this in your new book, like choosing youth. Yes, in your day to day, choosing but, how to really live young. Right, but not to be immature. I don't mean it like that. I mean, some people say there's this expression, act your age. And there's an expression, you know, you should dress your age. And like, that is bullshit. You know, I don't, I actually, I, my legs are a little crinkly, so I don't actually wear short shorts anymore. But they were never my favorite thing, but I would still put on a mini skirt any day. And my heels are just as high as they've ever been, you know, assuming during COVID, when we get out of COVID, I'll be able to wear heels again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like the idea is, um, well, part of it, I think, is that um, because our way of life has changed us so much, where people used to be around multi-generations, and so like old people were around very young people, and, and so on, I don't think we have that that much anymore. We have people who are very transient, who have moved away from their families. You just moved to South Carolina. I don't think anyone in your family is there. 
I, my sister is actually in Phoenix, but that's because I had, you know, I moved her here. Um, I'm not going to say that, you know, we're much a, a family people. So I, I like, I am blessed that I get to be around 20 year old people and that I get to be around 30 people and 40 people and 50 people. I feel like that keeps me going, oh, this is how I want to dress. And this is how, this is who I'm dressing for. And this is, you know, like, I'm not going like, oh, I shouldn't put that on because of my age. And I think this is something that's shifted a lot over the last 30 years or so. And there's been a lot of shifts away from um, a lot of the ageism that was actually built in once we started separating people into the there's into these age group silos as if we were still elementary school students that couldn't interact with each other. Right. And, um, <laughs> there's a lot that's talked about a lot of, you know, a lot of um, people who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s are even moving away from what was drilled into their minds around like respect your elders, respect your elders and opening up so much to what our youth can teach us. When I'm, I intentionally spend time with people that are 15, 20 years younger than I am because I acknowledge and recognize how much they've grown, what they've taken on. I mean, look at how much you took on and chose intentionally different than your parents. Why totally. would every generation under you be doing the same thing? There can be a lot of criticism of these young people and they're taking and they don't know and blah, 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 all of this criticism. But really, when we start to move into that place of acknowledgement, wow, the wisdom. And we have so much more access to information. And when people are intentionally choosing wisdom based on what they've learned from their parents, from their grandparents, there's, you know, I'm feeling this big shift around ageism in a very, very different way. And I really hope to see some massive changes made and particularly in the realms of sexuality. Yes, absolutely. Well, I, two things I thought of when you were speaking and when we were speaking earlier, one is my father. My father's a beautiful example of someone like my father lost his partner, his love of his life when he was 72. And he was like, well, I don't know what to do. You know, he took in, he kept his house for a while. He he had that main house that they lived in, and then they had a beach house. And um, after about a year or so, he moved to the beach house because he said to me he didn't want to live in a mausoleum. Like, he didn't want to live in grief. He grieved, and then he didn't want to live in grief. So at 78, he met the new love of his life. And what I thought was so cool was... Um, he, he's my, he started taking dance lessons. And I said to him, why are you taking dance lessons? You're like a great dancer. Who, what are you going to Arthur Murray? And he said to me, cause I want to learn to dance with this woman. And I just thought that was so cool. Like he didn't, like he wasn't stopped. He wasn't too arrogant to learn. Mm. Um, he came to, to a Tantra class because he wanted to learn about Tantric sex because he knew his body had changed. And so he wanted to learn to make love to this woman and it had to be different. It couldn't be like when he was, you know, he met my mother when he was like 16. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sex between 16 and 20 is really <laughs> different. We're just kind of animals. We're just like, we're just acting out, put A into B, move around a bunch, thrust, thrust, thrust. And to find that deepening, 
And for, if you're in the same relationship, I mean, this is whether people are newly dating or they've been in the same relationship with someone for a long time, but perhaps the sex has, you know, has not been um, congruent. You know, there, we're not finding that, that matching. I think that's one of the beautiful things that you're speaking to here is that we can continue to open and learn new things and even learn how to make love with the same person over and over and over again and have it be different and unique and interesting each time based on what our bodies are doing now. Not Absolutely. what they did 20 or 30 years Absolutely. ago. Absolutely. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about was hormone replacement therapy. I just want to also put that in there. I don't know if that's something that you're going to consider or not. When I look at your skin, it looks fine to me. Do you know what I mean? But like, you know, I knew um, that my skin started to feel a little thinner. And when I, and for a very long time, I mean, I went through menopause and then I waited 10 years. And then I looked into hormone replacement therapy. And since I did that, I, I, like, I could tell the difference in my hair. I could tell the difference in my bones. I could tell the difference in my skin quality. I can tell the difference in my ability to be wet. So, uh, so that's another thing that people need to consider whether they can do that or not. Some people cannot do that. And some people can do that. Although I had a very great naturopath who told me that anyone could do it, even if they had some cancer in the past of their life or in their relatives or ancestors, um, they just had to screen it more closely. They had to screen the markers, the blood markers more. So if I get a blood test every six months, somebody else might have to get a blood test every three months in order to, to monitor the markers. Um, but that's another consideration if that is for you, if that isn't for you or what kind or so on. So that's something to consider. Um, and then there's the whole thing about, hey, maybe my body doesn't move like it used to. Maybe I need more pillows. Maybe I need liberator furniture. Maybe right, I need the logistical pieces of how to have supported sex. I, it reminds me of in um, restorative yoga, for instance. Yes. So we're having restorational sex practices, which actually anybody from any age can do that. I remember the first time that I got a low back injury from having sex a certain way, you know, with a certain size type of partner and recognizing like, oh, I don't, it doesn't actually, I don't have to be in pain for days afterwards. I can actually have a different experience. There's something that you were just talking about, which feels like a bit of a cosmic joke. We have an increase, um, female body people will have an increase in testosterone be desiring sex more, perhaps, perhaps that's one thing that happens in some female bodied folks, um, but be experiencing vaginal dryness. What a joke that, you know, and so the sex doesn't feel good in the same way. And so I think it's recognizing what is my body doing right now? And then also what is my mental state? What's happening to my mental state the first time that that happens? Is there a conversation or a limiting belief? You know, we, I mean, we even have songs, right? About like super wet, juicy pussy. I hope I can say that on this podcast. I think I can. Um, I think I can say anything. Cracked me up. That song, that, that time we played it in our class. Oh great. yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, there's songs, there's this celebration w of W A T and the W A P wet ass pussy. Oh, W A P wet ass pussy. Yeah. Right. 
Um, but there's this, there's, you know, kind of comes from porn culture, this dripping wet, juicy pussy all the time, the same way that a lot of men encounter um, a lot of stigma from, from porn about their hard cock all the time. Like men are, are just stripped down to the fact that they have to be a walking hard on all the time. And the truth of it is so many beautiful things about, um, about soft entry, about like adoring the soft cock, about like celebrating the lingam in every state and stage of the beautiful, of the beautiful piece of body that it is. And the same thing is true for the vulva to really be in this full celebration of whatever it's doing at the right, at that time is the right thing. That's the right thing. Whatever it's, doing, yeah. it's the right thing. And luckily, we also have like huge selections of lubes, you know, and some, you know, we we both highly recommend organic lubes and ones that are not made of too much plastic <laughs> and silicone. And then finding the things that that juice us up because the timing might not be right when we want it to be the same way that our bodies may have done before. So we were just talking earlier today, Lori, as we were discussing the course and some of the curriculum, that morning time sex can really be a huge win um, because of the higher and lower testosterone levels, depending on, you know, the gender of your partners, right? And being able to really lean into the times and tracking and noticing when do I feel the most turned on? When does my body really want to perform in this certain way? And then also letting go of how we think that our bodies should perform, which is really great advice for, for people of all ages. Well, you know, as you're saying that, I've always thought I never understood. Um, I hear things. I thought all of a sudden I had termites. Um, <laughs> I um, <laughs> I never understood the notion of going out to dinner, having a few drinks, and then coming home to have hot sex. Like I never understood. So, like to to go against the grain of everything, I always thought I want to have hot sex mm-hmm. and then go out to dinner yeah. and then have a few drinks. Like, why would I want to be gassy? And and farty yeah. and, and bloated <laughs> when I want to have hot sex. I could never ever. I was always like, let's do sex now, and then we'll go out. You know, like that's always how I've been. And you know, some people have looked at me with an eyebrow up. You know, like this chick, she's like wild. But like to me, I just never got the whole notion of being wined and dined and then seduced. Mm-hmm. Didn't work for me. Never yeah. worked. So it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Like maybe I'm juicy in the morning and that's when I want to be close and together. And that's when my hot date takes place. I'm not waiting till the weekend evening and I don't want to go out to dinner first. So yes, yes to all of the above. Go with the changes. Be creative, be inventive, figure out what, what turns you on and, and speak about it. Don't be like, you know, bring it out in the open. It, it go against any grain that you've that you've learned. It, it should be nothing. Should be mm. everything is a creation. I think this is really rich and beautiful. And I also I find this to be um, 
cross-transferable information really for anyone who's listening in, but particularly as we're opening up and having conversations about sex and sexuality. Um, I mean, I really, like my mom was very resistant to talking about sexuality when I was, not when I was growing up, but as adults, she really was like, you're still my child. I'm not talking to you about this. You know, it's had to be years and years and years of continuing to remind her like, yeah, that's fine. Of course, whatever your boundaries are. And also like, this is what I do. You know, many, again, many of my clients are as old, if not older than my parents. And why would someone who's 70 come and talk to a 37 year old about sex and happiness Well, because they want that transmission of youth. And if it's our area of work, it's our area of work. And so it's important to have that, but it really is cross-transferable information. It is. Totally. Fewer, um, I think fewer of my clients that are 70 and older are seeking out information in some of the places and spaces that the 20 and 30 year olds that I work with are. And so Mm -hmm. it's really, can we dive into this wealth of information in a space that feels really comfortable. So we've talked about this too, particularly for in-person trainings. It can be really, there's really different energy that um, happens in a space when it's a group of people over 60 and when it's a group of people under 40. And we have both been in that, those spaces and we've noticed the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, uh, people are just in a different space in their life. And also they may need more, they may need another kind of attention. Mm-hmm. I think people under 40 need a little corralling sometimes or encouragement, but then a little corralling. And I think people older need a little more encouragement and to know that they're okay. They still got it. They still got it going on, you know? Yeah. And that it's never too late to start this journey. And I think that's one of the biggest pieces that feels really important to mention is that it's never too late to start this journey and it's better to start it than to not start it at all, to jump in and take a course, to jump in and start working with a coach, to really start this integration because it's even more years of shame and societal pressure and relationships that were not the fullest spectrum of honesty that they possibly could have been. Yes. So, well, I'll make the invitation. So on April 28th, we will be starting up a new course called Sex and Happiness Over 60, which is like kind of is going to be like the beta test for my new book, Sex and Happiness Over 60. It only gets better. And one of the things that we'll be talking about uh, is this, you know, like we'll be talking about encouraging people to be sexual and enc- encouraging people to find their groove. You know, remember that movie Stella got her groove back? Well, oh, yes, Stella, get your groove back. So yeah. April 28th, we'll be starting. It has some pre-work. The course has some pre-work. And um, and if you'd like to know more about it and prepare yourself to be in that course, or if you know someone, like don't keep this to yourself. If your parent or your friend is older and you think that they need to come join us, there'll be another person with us also, Rich Prittis. He'll be, um, he'll be delivering the course with us. Um, please find out about it. You can, you can write to me, Laurie, at lauriehandlers.com. Uh, you can write to Brianna, Brianna at briannacribbeyer.com, yeah. And you can also go to sh60 
course and find out more information about it and about all of us. We would love to have you. We want the word to get out there. So please spread this show. Please spread this episode to everybody that you know who needs to hear about it. Brianna, thank you so much. Thank for you, Larry. Conversation with me. What a great one. Always a juicy joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is us saying bye to you from Sex and Happiness. And uh, until next time, see you and namaste. Thank you for joining us today for Sex and Happiness. To learn more about Lori and her work, follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh.